Hey friends, welcome to the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to episode 57 of the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering, aka part 7 of our summer series, The Perfectionist Guide to Friendship. Today we're going to talk about how we can help set our kids up for friendship success. So it's an interesting spot to be in as a mom because we're navigating our own friendship journeys and issues that sometimes come up. But then as our kids are growing up and they are having friends and we find that they go through some of these same things that we go through too as well, right, Space? That's right. I mean, you, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, as if you're not dealing with of your own stuff, then you've got <laughs> little people asking you to learn what does this look like, you know, and how do I navigate relationships as early as preschool, you see the relationship dynamics forming and yeah. And you're stressful because you want your kids to be happy and you want them to have friends. And we know that it's funny how, when your kids are little, if a kid said to you like, Oh, I don't need friends. I'm a lone wolf. You'd be like, that's not right. (laughs) But like, (laughs) then as an adult, someone says that you're like, Oh, like we accept kind of that mindset as an adult when really we, we know because we would never let our kids kind of think that that's how they should do life. Right. That's a really good question to ask. Yeah. Would I tell my children to do, to do friendship this way or to do life in these certain ways? That's a really good, really good thing for us to remember. I like that. Yeah. And it's interesting because just like we are on our own journeys with friendships, our kids are too. And like you're saying, even, you know, when they're little and in preschool, like some of the friendship things they're learning are like how to share or how not to push people or, you know, basic manners like that. But then as they get older, there are those playground things that sometimes come up at school, like someone's not including me or so-and-so said that this mean thing to me or said this mean thing about my mom, you know, like things that kids say. And then each year as our kids are in a different class, like their friendship dynamics change. So there's a, a ton of change that our kids go through and that we went through ourselves growing up just in navigating friendships. Yeah. And as they get older, what makes it so challenging, you know, as your kids get older is that the problems get more complex. So it's not just about having friends. It's about having friends who steer you in the right direction, who aren't being bad influences, who encourage you to be who you are without trying to pretend to be somebody else or learning how to have friends who where all your interests don't necessarily line up 100%, but you can still find these areas of commonality, both in school and out of school or in sports or out of sports, it does become really more, more complex. But I think it's super important that we as parents really speak into that because as we know, when you become an adult, those complexities only get even more complex. <laughs> I think we, we always joke like, oh, I would never want to go back to high school or junior <laughs> high. But it's funny having experienced junior high now again through <laughs> children. There are a lot of unpleasantness when it comes to junior high mm-hmm. dynamics, but it's also kind of nice to like, you're like, well, 
you leave at the end of the day and you go home, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can kind of unplug it. We're like, as an adult, those same issues happen in the workplace, happen right. at church, happen in your neighborhood, and there's no escaping from it. Right. So we can teach our kids as we're going through these things, just some helpful tips and tools. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how we can help our kiddos. So let's chat about how can we promote healthy friendships in our kids, right? So we talked earlier in the series about the differences between having good, healthy, supportive friends, and then friends who are toxic or negative that we don't need in our lives. And so guess what? We get to help our kids go through this as well, because our kids might come home from school saying, my best friend is so-and-so. And then we're hearing, oh, this, this best friend is actually pretty terrible. Like they're not nice. They say mean things, things like that. But our child may not realize, oh, this is not good. So just teaching and training them, how do we discern the difference between healthy friendships? And I think, again, it goes back to a lot of what we talked about. If it's someone who is negative, draining, like not being mutually encouraging or including you, there's lots of those little nuances that we have to talk to our kids about to help them identify what's What's a good friendship and what's one that, that we really don't need in our life? That's right. When you're talking about kids, both your own and other people's monsters mm-hmm. of a kid who, of course, <laughs> are always at fault, you have to recognize these are two underdeveloped brains, right? So it's not like two adults where you can say like, right. oh, well, that person said that. And so that's an indication of their full character profile. When you're talking about a kid, you know, when your kid says, well, this person said this thing to me and it hurt my feelings, you think to yourself, oh my gosh. You should not spend any time with that person. But the reality is the next day, like it's not the same as dealing with an adult. So there's almost like you want to protect your kid in terms of helping them establish. This is how friends talk to each other in a, in a healthy way. Like friends don't say those kind of things to each other. Friends don't purposely try to hurt each other. Friends don't take from each other or steal mm-hmm. from each other or, or gossip about each other. Mm-hmm. But you also know kids are kids and they make stupid mistakes. And so you also want to build some level of grace and understanding in your kid to be like, but people are going to screw up. Like you can have these, these guidelines for, for that, you know, these two lanes that a healthy friendship stays inside, but even as adults, but certainly as Mm -hmm. kids, people are going to make mistakes and they're going to stray outside those lines sometimes. And the, the trick is determining whether or not what do you do when that person strays outside? And what do you do when you stray outside? And so I think that's where as as a parent, this is kind of like can rub up against some of our own baggage (laughs) with friends (laughs) because it's heaven help you if a kid hurts or another kid hurts your kid in a way you've been hurt by a friend because then you're like, oh, well, we should just go burn their house down. (laughs) I mean, like that's kind of where you want to go with it instead of being like, well, maybe they were having a bad day. Give me some more context for what was happening. In when often we're like, we don't do the same level of depth <laughs> when we feel hurt. So it's funny, Cal, like parenting your kid in friendships often reparents yourself. It reteaches yeah. yourself in a lot of these things. Yeah, definitely. Because we, yeah, experience things or go through things again, it, it triggers or brings that up. And that's right. And it's, it's good for us to continue to process as we need to, as we are helping our kids process yeah. those things. I think one of the best things we as parents can do, honestly, when it comes to like teaching our kids about healthy friendships is teaching them to be a good friend. Because I think we've talked about this. We see adults who they define friendships by everything that the other person does and they don't put it back on themselves. Well, maybe if I want good friends, I need to be a good friend. 
And they just are like, well, they're not doing this for me. They're not doing this for me. And you're like, why would they? You're kind of, you're not, you're not being very good friend for them to want to do that. And so I, for when we're talking about kids, expecting another person's kid to act in a certain way is like kind of ridiculous, right? They're going to, who knows, who knows what kind of messages or things are happening at their house and we cannot control that. And so we can't teach our kids to act a certain way based on how other people are acting first. I think we have to teach our kids in our house as Morgans, like this is how friends act. Mm-hmm. We're going to decide if you're good for this is what good friends do. And then I think when we teach them that they feel when it's not being reciprocated, but, or when somebody crosses a line, like we don't lie to each other. We seek ways to help each other before the other person has to ask. Mm -hmm. We are going to ask for forgiveness when we screw up. We don't say unkind things to each other, which I feel like I'm saying a hundred times a day (laughs) in my house. So then when someone does say something unkind to them, they, they know it's wrong because they've, we've internalized in them. This is not what good, good friends do, but we've done it in a way without like kind of casting judgment or making it negative towards another individual. It's Mm -hmm. like, because we, you know, you want to raise a kid. I mean, I think we have to keep our goal in mind, right? We want to raise children who become adults, who identify what is a healthy relationship and what is not. And this person may call themselves my friend, but they, if they are not acting like a friend, then newsflash, they're not your friend. Mm -hmm. Like that title doesn't mean anything if there's no action behind it. So you want to raise a kid who can do eventually, as I've found you hit those preteen years and like all of your, your guidance and your control goes out the window. And now you're just kind of coaching that they can kind of go through and own that process themselves without you having to be standing there on the sidelines Mm -hmm. with like calling the shots of what they should do next, you know? Right. Right. One of the best pieces of friendship advice that my mom ever gave me growing up was to go out and be the type of friend that you want. So I moved several times. I was the new girl. I was super shy. So it was very hard to navigate new places. And my mom always just said, go out and be a friend to someone. Ask someone to sit with you instead of you being Mm. sitting there waiting for someone to ask you to sit with them. So that has stuck with me. And I try to teach my kids that to go, go out and be that person. Or when you get a new kid in your class, go be the friend to that person. So Mm. it kind of goes back to, you know, things that we've experienced. We can, if it was something negative, we can flip it and tell our kids like, this is the positive. Positive. Here's how to go out and spin this in a positive way. And I think even if our kids grow up in the same place and never move schools, like we can still teach them to go out and do that. Sometimes our kids will get in a class where they don't know many of the other kids or all their best friends are in the other class. And sometimes as moms, we want to control that. So we're tempted to like go ask our, if our kid can get switched. But but when we take a step back and realize this is actually a good growth opportunity for our child, not only in the learning environment, but also with the friends. Like sometimes we have to navigate that when our kid gets their first job or leaves our house, like they're not going to be surrounded by a, a big group of people that they know. So, so we can help them to navigate that discomfort and then also spin it in the friendship way, like go out and be a friend to someone. Well, I love that advice of your mom's because again, it comes back to 
what can we do to make that happen? And when we talked right. about this, like, <laughs> that's what like in my own leadership, I mean, leadership friendship journey, I realized I was not doing well when I was in this real season of loneliness. Like I wasn't being proactive. I was waiting for everybody else to invite me to sit down. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started inviting people to sit down that, right. that things really started to turn around. And so I think that's key. I mean, when kids are little, I think it's teaching skills like that. Like, Hey, when you show up on the first day of school, smile, <laughs> like, <Yes>. smile at people. <laughs> I remember coaching one of my kids, like, let's come up with two fun facts about yourself. Yeah. So like, hi, my name's Stacey. I have a cat and I have, I have three sisters or whatever, you know, like, and, and start a conversation mm-hmm. instead of like sitting and just staring at the person <laughs> and, and because right. that's hoping they'll go first, which is what right. honestly, most of us as adults do. Mm-hmm. We wait for the other person to go first. And unless you happen to like win the lottery with like the 5,000% extrovert sitting across from you who just can't stop themselves. Most people will also just be sitting there waiting. And so I I love it. It's like when they're little teaching them like, Hey, how you enter the room. Like if you, if you go into a space and you don't know people and you want to meet people, especially like a new classroom, a new workplace, a new sports team, like how you enter the room matters, smiling, (laughs) introducing yourself. We taught my son when he got a little older, like how to shake hands in a way that is like not dead fish. Like (laughs) these things matter in sending the message. I'm friendly and I want to be your friend. I'm interested in getting to know you. And now I've taken a step towards you. You take a step towards me and and that's how this works. And then I think you slowly transition from those physical tasks, like checking that, like, okay, did you smile? Yes. Did you introduce (laughs) yourself? Yes. Did you share two facts? Yes. And then as they get older, the coaching switches to more like, okay, well, when they said that to you and it didn't feel right, did you say, Hey, I didn't like that. Or did you say, Hey, I I heard that you did this thing. And like, why didn't you invite me? That felt like you were leaving me out. Like kind of switches to more like emotional Mm -hmm. learning points on how to be a good friend. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think something else that we can do as moms to promote healthy friendship is for us to be intentional about carving out time and space in the family schedule and in our our kids' schedule so that they can have friendship time. I know sometimes it's like, oh, one more thing to schedule or think about it, but it's, it's important for us to do that. And I like to encourage my kids. They don't always take me up on it now that they're older, but to just encourage them, Hey, do you want to invite someone over to hang out at our house or over here? There's this movie theater and arcade that like Wednesdays it's half price arcade. So sometimes I've told my son like, Hey, it's Wednesday. Do you want to go invite a friend and I'll drop you guys off and hang I'll hang out at the arcade, you know? So just things like that, being intentional, again, being open to allowing our kids to have this time and knowing how much, how much it's really valuable and important, again, will help us, I think, to realize, okay, I do need to carve out and make the time for it. That's right. Cause I think, you know, we can, we super overschedule our kids like in sports and activities and yes, they will make friends in those places. Think about the friendships we have as an adult. Like it's wonderful to meet somebody at work or on this team, but the friendship really grows when you take it outside of that initial thing. Like, and for a kid, 
you kind of need time to be bored together, you know, like to just rattle around (laughs) somebody's backyard or go explore the woods together or sit and play video games together or just sit in someone's, I don't know, my girls love to like sit in each other's rooms. I don't know what they're doing in there, but you know, (laughs) like you said, so you, you really do need to be, especially when they're younger and they can't, like they can't drive and they can't do so, you know, some of these things on their own. There are things we can do to help facilitate that happening. But the first step, like you said, is like, there's got to be space in your schedule. It makes me sad sometimes when I'll text somebody's mom. Cause like my kid will be like, can you text so-and-so's mom and see if they can get together? And the mom will be like, Oh, my kid would love that. Oh, but we've got this on this day, this on this day, this on this yeah. day. So like, it's like trying to book a dental appointment six months from now, <laughs> you know, like and it's impossible because She's even acknowledging, like, oh, my my daughter would love, love that, but we don't have time. It's the same with us as adults. If you don't have time where you have nothing on your schedule, then you will not then be able to react when someone invites you somewhere or when some, when a friend has a need and you could, or right. not even a friend, someone you want to be friends with mm-hmm. has a need and you can then step into it because you're like, I'm free. And it's the same with our kids. Like there has to be empty space in their schedules, or we're never going to be able to like create these kind of spontaneous, loosely scheduled right, get-togethers. Right. Yeah. The end of last year, I love this. I was cleaning out my kid's backpack and <laughs> there was a little slip of paper in there that a mom, you know, it was elementary school. So yeah. thank God most of the kids didn't have phones. <laughs> and it was a little slip of paper. It was like pre-printed and she probably told her daughter, put one in all of your friends' backpacks. And it was like, my daughter really enjoyed getting to know your daughter this year. She'd love to connect over the summer. And then it had the mom's cell phone number. Yeah. I and love I was that. Like, it's like, I love it. Like, I'm sure she had to do it kind of like on the sly because it's, uh, you know, schools right. weird about putting things right. in backpacks now, <laughs> but you expect a fifth grader to figure out their mom's cell phone numbers and exchange them. Like maybe like, but maybe not. So there's a little facilitation, like a little first step the mom was able to make. And that's cool. And then as my kids have gotten older, especially now that they've got friends on the street and I can trust them to, you know, they're old, they're old enough to take care of themselves, like giving them the space to be like, yeah, go to your friend's house. Just be back by dinner. Right. And that's it. Do what you want. I hope I've instilled that you're not going to go do anything illegal in this bracket right. of time on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Trouble. So yeah. like, yeah, I can trust you. Or I can like, yes, go to the neighborhood pool by yourself. Or even my high schooler, like, oh, I'm going to meet up. We're going to, and we're going to walk around this lake that's in town, letting them have the freedom and go do things on their own without you managing them. Like there's definitely an inflection point, I think around junior high where you should be able to trust your kids to go right. visit their friends and, and you not have to be there like managing the play date. And right. if you're, if not, then you have probably other podcasts you need to listen to about <laughs> selling trust your kids. But like, I think that's important because hopefully by then they've begun to instill like, yeah, it's about time with friends, not even so much the activity. Sometimes it's just about right. time and conversation and getting to know them. And I, as their parent can help them by helping them prioritize that time. Like, yeah, that's, that is time well spent. I think that's, that's important for the message for us as parents to send like time with your friends is valuable, well-spent time, even though it looks like you're just goofing off, right? You're goofing off with friends is really important for kids to do. That's the foundation of that's how they will learn about friendships that they will carry into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That's really important. 
we were saying some things for when our kids are smaller and then yeah, junior high, like some nuances and things that start happening. So as a mom, how do we know when we should get involved in a friendship issue or some trouble that's brewing? Mm. When do we get involved and when do we step back and let them work it out on their own? What are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, definitely a fine line, right? Mm -hmm. I, cause I can think of several different examples. Like I can think of a time when my son was in junior high and he came home and told us about this interaction that had had happened in the cafeteria where from my hearing in my ears, it sounded some jerk was picking on him or something. And it got some other people riled up. And then my son trying to like, even the score said something and that that's blew up on his face and it just might even worse. And of course, like I'm trying to feel out like, yeah, where do I get involved here? And I remember saying like, do you need me to do something? And he, I might as well have said like, do you need me to show up at your school naked? Like he, <laughs> he was like, what? No. And what's funny is because to me, it sounded like a very dramatic event. Like I'm having visions of junior high trauma forever that you're going to be unpacking with your therapist, you know, (laughs) but the reality was, you know, I remember a year later him mentioning this kid's name in passing. And I was like, oh, and of course in my mind immediately flip back this cafeteria trauma. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought that was that kid that you like didn't like and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what? No, it was like (laughs) forever ago. And like, no, in that case, thank goodness I didn't get involved. Right. Then we had another incident with a different daughter or different kid of mine and my daughter who like where there was an incident on a bus and this had, this was ongoing. And by the time it came out that my daughter and another girl were having this interaction with this, another, a third girl, it had been going on for a while. Mm -hmm. Now they had been trying to deal with it on their own. It had not worked out. It was getting Mm -hmm. worse. And so that's where as a mom, you have to be like, all right, when is it? when is it normal kid like tension and relationship drama? And when is it bullying? It's easier when someone physically touches somebody because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's wrong. Yeah. You hit him. You're done. Right. It's the words, right? It's the vibe. It's the cold shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's what we would call almost like harassment or, but really that category of bullying, but it's, it's very gray. Right. So like, when is it just figuring out how to talk to each other? And when is right. it, in this case, it had, it had, become a problem to the point where we did the other mother and I, a neighbor, she felt like she, it was time to contact the school and find out like a little bit more about what was going on Mm -hmm. on the bus. In that case, it was good that we stepped in and there was a way to step in like through the counselor. So it was done in an indirect kind of soft way. And Mm -hmm. they're able to work it out with the girls and get some clarity there. I think what we don't want to do is be like a bull in a China shop, trying to like sort all of our kids problems. Because first of all, if I've learned anything with four kids, it's that 99% of these things that seem terrible to me, they're over it the next time. Right. It's just identifying that 1% when things could be taking a dark turn, or it just feels like it's crossed the line. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, again, is saying, I think to your kid, do you want me to get involved? Mm -hmm. And letting them tell you. And unless you're hearing something like that, something really dangerous is happening, something really like where you as an adult in your maturity know, like that is not that, that is right. Cro- that is cross line. 
it is hard to be like, okay, well, I will just sit here and watch right. this slow motion train wreck of a friendship. You know? Right. Like, I hope that doesn't blow up in your face, but good luck with that strategy. It's hard, but I think we have to let them do it. We really do. Mm-hmm. And I think the parents who get involved pay the price in the long run because then their kid doesn't involve them in future conflict right. because they don't want their parent to get involved. Right. Cause they're going to remember, Oh, my mom flipped oh, out. She, oh, that yeah. thing. she confronted and, them she, at the bus stop or she embarrassed me. So yes. I don't want her to do that again. Yeah. That's a really great thing to, to discern. And I, I really tried with my daughter, with some of her friendship things to like with friendship hurts when a friend does something hurtful, I've encouraged her tell your friend that this was hurtful, like communicate about it because I feel like I've mentioned this before. Like I didn't know how to communicate about hard things, whether that was with a friend or a boyfriend or whatever, like even into my marriage sometimes, like I just kind of clam up. And so I really tried to work on it for myself, but then also to encourage her, let's have healthy communication. We've talked about in other episodes, friendships do have hurt sometimes, and we might be the one who said something wrong, or it might be the other person, but let's, let's acknowledge it so that we can forgive each other and move on. And so sometimes I've, I've seen her take that advice other times not. And and again, there's all these nuances, right? So explaining like, if this is a friend that you really want to have long-term, it's good to work it out. Is it, if it's someone that you're like, "Eh, I'm not going to be friends with this person, like maybe it's not worth bringing up, but again, just talking to them about that discernment piece but again, if, if something happens that our friendship feels weird because there's this issue or something hurtful that like, let's, let's talk about it. Let's normalize that we're going to have healthy conversations so that we can move forward. Yeah. And I think as a parent, like you, we want to know our kids and we, we stare at them all day. We want to <laughs> we study them. And so I think if you think about your kid in terms of how they respond to frustration or to hurts. Like I have one kid who just clams up. I have another kid who like kind of gets real passive aggressive if they feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, whereas like if their kid is more like me, they would just be aggressive. And so (laughs) knowing, Hey, none of those things are actually (laughs) healthy responses. Like we can help them Again, we can't like change who they are, but we can help them become better versions, more healthy versions of themselves. And I know I've had to say to my kids, like, hey, when you're frustrated or you don't get what you want, it's not okay for you to 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 go like full stonewall refusing to talk to me. Like, because right. I know if she's doing it to me, she's probably also gonna be doing it to other people in her life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, or hey, if you don't understand what's happening here you shouldn't just be quiet and say nothing. Like you need to ask a question. You need to ask for clarity. And that includes in a relationship. If you're like, I thought we were hanging out together a lot and all of a sudden we're not like, let's ask a question. Let's not just like let it die because nobody bothered to ask what was going on. Mm -hmm. Or maybe in my case, like we don't have to confront everybody straight on guns blasting. (laughs) Like we can very gently and put it in context for you. Like Hey, when you said that, it made me feel really self-conscious about that decision I made or whatever. Like, or do you really hate my haircut? Or (laughs) right. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, what were you trying to say? And and yeah, just make them better versions of themselves. Because the great thing about little kid and even into teenage year friendships is like it is a place to learn how to do that 
Because think about like, I mean, how many people, like we all forget all that, all those things in life in those stages, especially junior high, high school that felt like our 100% our world. Fast forward, like two years after you graduate from high school, like you can't even remember half those people's (laughs) names. So it is a place where you can make some mistakes. You can learn those things and it's not going to be devastating if you're in a dating relationship or in a workplace environment or as an adult where there's just a lot less margin for not knowing how to have healthy like social interactions. Mm -hmm. I think another important thing we can teach our kids too is about gossip and talking about other friends behind their back with other friends and things like that. Because I think in junior high and high school, that causes a lot of unnecessary drama. And so sometimes when my daughter will come home mentioning like, so-and-so told me this about so-and-so she's expressed like it makes her feel uncomfortable. And so I said, that's a good, that's a good thing. So remember how you feel like that and don't go out and do that to your other friends. Like let's be friends of integrity and let's honor each other and not try to say mean things or join in, even if everyone else is doing that, or you could even be the brave one to say, Hey, I don't think so-and-so would like that we're talking about, you know, just, just to be right. the, the brave one to, to try to nip it in the bud. Now, of course, all of these things fall under the umbrella that should not be do as I say, not as I do, right? Because we yes. can talk till we're blue in the face. We can like sit our kids down with a PowerPoint slide and go give them a full lecture on how to do this. <laughs> For 18 years. But if we aren't modeling that for them, you can tell, don't talk to your sister that way. But then they hear you saying things to your spouse or even to people you see on television about politicians or about whatever's going on. Like they hear the words that we use. And often in our minds, we justify it like, well, I'm allowed to say these things because they're a politician or they're a celebrity or they're whatever. But in a kid's mind, and honestly, the reality is it doesn't matter. Like they are hearing their parent say terrible things about another human being. And so you can say all day, we use kind words, you know, (laughs) we're all God's children, you know, we all deserve (laughs) grace. Like But do we, because your actions and your words are saying something very different. I mean, it's like the parent who can't figure out why your kid keeps dropping F-bombs. You're like, I can tell you why, because I know how you're talking behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Like that kid didn't learn that on the playground. They learned it at home. We have to be practicing what we preach. Mm -hmm. We can say all day, we should forgive our friends. We should share how we truly feel. We should prioritize spending time with our friends. But if they never see you with a friend, if they hear you gossiping about five Mm -hmm. other women in your circle, if they, I mean, all those things, right? then all your words that you just wasted breath for Mm -hmm. 10 years, however long you've been talking. Yeah. What's the phrase? So much more in your house is caught than taught. So it just, it's a good, a good reminder. Again, none of us are perfect, but it's a good reminder. Like take a look in the mirror, consider what we're modeling, how we're spending our time using our words because our kids are seeing that. So that's, that's really important. And like, what are we proactively doing to show our kids what friendship looks like? I mean, I know like I can't do a single thing in this house without a kid asking me, why are you doing that? (laughs) Sometimes it's like, I'm cleaning the floor. Like, why are you doing that? Because you made a huge mess. That's why I'm doing it. But sometimes it's like, they see me getting ready to leave the house. Like, oh, where are you going? Well, I'm going to my friend's house. Oh, why are you going over there? Well, because they need help. Like, and I offered to help them pack that thing or clean that thing Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like there are plenty of opportunities 
to explain how to be a good friend if we are in fact doing those things, because our kids right. are, they're naturally curious about why we are doing what we're doing. And that's honestly the best learning opportunity. Forget the lectures, mm-hmm. you know, forget the classes. Mm-hmm. It's the like, where are you going? The two minute quick conversation about, well, someone's just having a hard time. And so, you know, or when they're like, oh, hey, just so you know, you guys, like these kids are coming over today. Like, oh, really? Why are they coming over? Well, you know, I'm giving their mom a break because yeah. she had a hard week and that just seemed like the right thing to do. Your kids catch that. And, yeah. and then you just sent the message. This is what friends do. They help each other out when they're having a hard week. Mm-hmm. And, and of course the key is like, you can't over-dramatize it. Like, ah, oh, and let me just tell you how amazing it is that <laughs> I am doing this, right? Like right. it has to be, again, you have to be mirroring and like giving the example of what being the friend that you would want to have. Would you want that person explaining to her kids in in gory detail, why you needed help that week or like uh, how great she is for helping you. Of course not. You'd want them to be like, yeah, I helped her out because we're friends. And that's what friends do. End right. of story. Yeah. Friends show up for each other. Friends celebrate all those things. I love yeah. That. I think another helpful thing is to share our friendship experiences with our kids, right? We can tell them stories about some of the things that we have walked through, whether that was as a kid or even now as an adult that will stick with our kids and help them to know like, Hey, you're not the only kid who has felt left out or who feels lonely or who has been bullied. And it's really important for us to talk to our kids about that. And I, a couple of years ago was walking or reading the book wonder with my daughter. Oh yeah. And I love the movie, love the book. In the book, Augie is being bullied. And it was so interesting because I was reading the pages, you know, about that with my daughter. And it brought up for me, like experience from when I was Mm. bullied in junior high. It's so interesting because like I started crying and she's like, what, you know, why are you crying? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) What's going on? And so I got to tell, you know, tell her a little bit of the story, but then I also got to tell her if you are ever bullied. I'm here for you. I will come and help you work it out. Like I will protect you. And so it was just a good, a tender moment that we had, but it also, I think, opened the door to, to sharing with her. If you feel this way, know that you are not the only one or mom has walked through this and I I can know how to help you kind of thing. So it, it can be like a negative thing like that, or it can be a really positive thing too. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when kids are younger, they are absolutely fascinated by hearing about what our childhood was like or what we were like at their age and the ability to share stories like, you know, well, you know, when I was your age, I moved and this, here's like the hard thing that happened. This person picked on me that I had a hard time fitting in. This friend hurt me. You know, I think when they hit the teenage years, like you try to tell stories and they're like, (laughs) okay, mom, like we get it. It was like, we had to turn a knob on the TV, like old, it was like forever You told me about the time. (laughs) Dinosaurs, you know, they are still listening. You know, you have to kind of like change your approach and choose, choose your moments to kind of get these little stories in there. But it's the story, like you said, is always better than the lecture. Mm -hmm. And it is. And I think sometimes as parents, we're like, well, I don't want them to know that I screwed up. Or like, I need, I want them to see the best version of me so they can like emulate the best parts of me. (laughs) And we hesitate to share not just struggles like that weren't our fault, but we definitely hesitate to share the times that we screwed up. Mm -hmm. And that has been something I've 
tried to overcome over the years, like getting over, like admitting that like there were times in my life where I was a bad friend and I got some good stories about being a bad friend. And I have a real zinger from high school that I won't need to share here, but like I was, a t- there was a moment where I played a terrible practical joke on one of my closest friends that I did not think all the way through. And it really not only hurt her feelings, but in this group of four of us, the other two didn't think it was so funny either. And I had this moment where I like realized how just totally wrong that joke was. And I had to apologize and it was like a whole thing. And our relationship from that point on was irreparably damaged. Mm -hmm. Like we were still friends, but like I betrayed her as Mm -hmm. a friend and it was in high school. I should have known better. And it's a powerful story for me to share Mm -hmm. with my kids because, Mm -hmm. but, but it's embarrassing. And I'm like, I screwed up. I, I don't know what I was thinking as much. And that's, that's really important too. I think for our kids to hear us be like, listen, learning how to be a good friend is a process. Like you are going to screw up. You're going to, you're going to lie to your friend and they're going to catch you in it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to betray their trust and you're going to share a secret and then it's going to get out that you shared that secret. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. It's what happens afterwards that matters. And here's how, as a good friend, we can do our best. Like that part of being a good friend is learning how to like compensate for things that you break and how to like reparations and relationships Mm -hmm. and, and that sometimes you will not be able to mend the damage you've done to a friendship. And that's like a real life lesson. There's nothing worse than when someone hurts you and you just can't like, you can forgive, but you can't forget. And the other person can't understand why things just can't go back to normal. And you're like, how do I explain to you that like our relationship has been damaged and it will take time. That's a lesson too, that you're going to screw up. You're going to be a bad friend and not that it's okay, but it's part of the learning process. And like, the important thing is like, you remember that and you don't do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important for us to not only share the stories of when we were the good friend, the best friend, but when we were not a good friend or when we messed up or when we made a huge mistake, because again, it just shows our kids, mom is not perfect. And I think there's some comfort in that, right? Of knowing, okay, my mom went through something similar. Maybe it's not the same thing. Like just knowing my mom went through something hard, whether they like sit and actually acknowledge that. But again, they'll remember the story. They'll remember us sharing about the mess up. And again, I think it just encourages them to know like you, you aren't going to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. And then we can talk about like, this is why we need Jesus, right? Like, because none of us are perfect. And so not only can we teach them the lesson about the friendship, but also the lesson about our need for forgiveness, our need to depend on Christ. And what do we do then? Right. We, we can walk in freedom that, that Jesus offers us. Yeah. Yeah. So lastly, how can we show our kids what adult friendship looks like? We chatted a little bit about this, I think. Yeah. You know, it's been interesting now that my oldest went off to college and this summer we couldn't talk to him on the phone. We could only write letters, like snail mail letters. Yeah. And so my husband and I were trying to keep him informed on what was going on back home, but also kind of sneak a little, like uh, my husband wasn't trying to sneak it at all. All of his lessons were like 100% (laughs) like life, life, like serious lessons. But a lot of it was again about okay, you are an adult now, like you are on your own. 
and we are not there to facilitate relationships or men misunderstandings or whatever it is. And so let's recap some of the things <laughs> that we hope we've taught you over the years about relationships. And, you know, in his context, it was like with roommates, with people that you have to work with and eat with in high stress environments, whatever, but how to be willing to risk helping someone, even if it's at you, the risk of being late or being getting in trouble or like, and a lot of them really are friendship skills, life skills that were like, okay, remember this, this is what it looks like now as an adult. Mm-hmm. like out, outside of our walls. And so that was interesting because it was like writing it down was yeah. like a little bit of a, like, oh, it's one thing to just do something. And then it's another thing to have to write out instructions or reminders for yes, somebody else yes. on how to do it, you know? And for me now with the kids of mine that are still at home, yeah, it's like, I have some friends going through some life transitions, selling a house, you know, job transitions, I cognitively think about not only do I want to help these friends because I love them and they're my friends and that's what friends do, but I want my kids to see me doing that. I'll be like, tomorrow I'm going over to so-and-so's house to help pack up their kitchen, or I'm not putting anything on the counter that weekend in case they need help. That's the, that's the weekend that their movers are coming. So I'm not going to schedule anything in case they need help or I'm meeting so-and-so for coffee because they have a new job and I want to hear about it. Even if they don't ask me where I'm going, I'm going to proactively tell them that's where I'm going yes. so that they can see like, oh, I'm not the only person in your life that you spend time with. Like, actually, no, I have another life with other people, <laughs> other I'm adults. A whole person outside I am a whole person, <laughs> even outside of your dad, outside of like my parents. Yeah, I have friends. I prioritize seeing these friends and helping these friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one area that I want to work on a little bit more is the time, right? Friends spend time together. So am I spending the time that I want with friends? And if I think about it coming out of summer and like crazy back to school, I want more time with my friends. I need to carve that out. And again, our kids see that whether we're that's like, I'm going out to meet a friend or having friends over whatever that looks like, it's important for us, again, to carve out the time, be proactive, all the things we've talked about all summer. And then our kids will see, will see that. And it's so crazy how we, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago, like so much more is caught than taught. I can think back about so many things that I just observed from my parents and that I just naturally do those things without even being conscious of it. Right. I remember when I first got married, my husband's like, why do you do this or that. I'm like, I don't know. And then he would laugh and be like, that's how your mom does it. Or that's how your dad does it. And so I think in friendships, we can do the same thing. If you come from a family where you went on vacation with friends all the time, like most likely you're going to do that when you have your own family and all of that. And so it's just little things that we can do or tweak to make our lives rich in friendship that again, our kids will catch and they will likely carry forward into their adult lives too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think about one of the first fights my husband and I had like day two after the <laughs> wedding, we were like in our house and I put a wet washcloth on top of a towel on the hall. Right? He was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, the washcloth is wet. <laughs> and he's like, why did you put it on this dry towel? I was like, well, cause otherwise it'll drip on the floor. And he was like, I remember we like, look, we like kind of like, it was like a standoff at the okay corral. Like both of us had clearly different rules about what you do with a wet washcloth and he, and, and neither of us wanted to back down, Uh, but that's exactly right. Like you will do what has been modeled for you. 
And if you, if your parents were lone wolves or whether because they wanted to be, or whether because like, I think we should acknowledge, like if you work a full job, like if a full-time job, a demanding job, both parents work, that's another level of challenge to have to incorporate friendship time onto like just weekends on top of other stuff that you have going on. That's no small thing to be able to show that to your kid when, when you don't have the flexibility of during the week or whatever. And that's, that's a big deal, but yeah, you're going to do exactly what you said. You're going to, we're going to do not that we can't change patterns, but you know, there's like the path of least resistance is doing like your default is going to be what you've always seen, what, you know, that feels natural. And, and then doing anything different, will have that discomfort of learning a new skill. We want to make that easier for our kids. So even though when I'm doing something that I'm like, this is how I do friendship, or this is how I do this, whatever it is. I try to, when I can remember and be like more cognizant of it, give that, like the off ramp to my kids to be like, well, this is how I do it. Not everyone does it this way. Or this is how I do it, but not everybody else does that. Or that's not how she does that for me. It looks different or whatever. Like, so that at least years from now, <laughs> when, when they're having that standoff about the wet washcloth, they'd be like, oh, I do remember my mom saying some people do do this differently <laughs> instead of me being like, no, there is only one way to deal with wet washcloths. Right. And that is this. And I'm going to go to my grave with this mm. on those towels. And it's, but it is, it's the same with friendships. It's like, hey, there are many ways to show people that you care. This is how I do it. You may have a different way, but also know that like your person you're talking to may have a different way. Like just giving them the flexibility to know that like, I want you to not just be my little parrot. I want you to be your own self and you are different than me and you're different friends and it's a whole new thing. And I'm here to guide you and help you, but you also have to be you in this friendship. That's super important. Yeah. hundred percent. Love that. Well, this has been fun, Stacey. So again, I think just to recap, a lot of the things that we can teach our kids are things that we can be doing in our own friendships. Again, as a mom, we have this unique privilege of getting to coach our kids through some of these things and share what we've been through. So it can be, we can use our experiences, good and bad to help them. And then again, we can go out and model what being a good friend looks like. So thanks for joining us today. And as usual, we would love to hear from you. So again, if it's maybe a friendship question that your kid is going through or something that you would like to chat with us about, send us a direct message on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Fortenberry. And I'm at Stacy Morgan 2000. And we'll be back with one more episode in this series. So we'll see you then. As we go, I want to remind you that you're doing an amazing job as a mom. No, you're not perfect. None of us are. There's no such thing. But you're showing up, you're learning from your mistakes, and you've got God on your side. He fills in the gaps of our imperfections, and we can trust Him. Keep going, my friends. You are doing good and meaningful work. I'll see you next time.